Hey, yo, what the f***? This is a palace right here. The late night flight is paid for by the following. Hello. I have three questions for you. When you're talking NBA with your white co-workers, do you say that Dallas Mavericks point guard Luka Doncic is the best player in the NBA to position yourself as non-threatening in the office? And when black people think that you talk like a white person, do you reply, hey, hey, you would too if you graduated from an HBCU. Are you Rachel Dozer? If you do or are any one of these three, then you are suffering from the contribution of white privilege. Hi, my name is Nasua Nuru, and if you are looking to go from Wayne Newton to Wayne Brady, please give us a call at 1-800-HELL-NO-CAMS. That's 1-800-HELL-NO-CAMS. Give us a call now before you turn into TV. Everybody on a mountain, everybody marching for a young nigga like me to get tsunami on it. I'ma get it, I'ma win a baby. I'll be on my curry till I crash a bird 40 on it. Yeah, I'm acting dirty if it's at the appellation to the appellation. I'ma do whatever that they take to make a black a nation. Hold on. Can a black Republican take over Baltimore? It's definitely a long shot, but you know, any given Sunday, gunplay optional, as they say, you know, and Republican. Candidate Kimberly Click or Kim Click, she has uh, put out this viral video that was going to aid her long shot bid to represent Maryland's 7th District in the U.S. Congress. It's just the same seat that you just said Elijah Cummins had for the last two decades. So she puts out this viral, this viral advertisement where it's her walking down what seems to be a lost episode of The Wire. Mm. And She's just going through West Baltimore, going through, you know, where it's basically looking like, uh, you know, an urban wasteland. And it's funny because I'm pretty sure these are areas that no one walks through. I mean, people don't even live there because they're not even actual houses. up. So the point I'm making is that I like the fact that she is trying to do some real life investigative look as far as, okay, I'm going to walk the mean streets of Baltimore and I'm going to show you the filth that's out here. And the reason why I should run, because at least I would listen and try to make these changes. The, the candidate, I forgot his name. He has a dope name, by the way. I forgot his name, though. But Kwame Yes, him. Can you say that one more time? Because he was kind of like blurry for a second. Kwame Mfume. True. So Kwame, <clears throat> she don't even live in the area. How she going to sit here and talk crap about the area? She don't even live in the area. She may be from the area, but you don't even live around here. Huh. And him is basically like, look, <laughs> y'all ain't doing <laughs> Why y'all here? It don't matter if I'm not here. It's still the same bullshit going on. And she's saying that Democrats have been running the whole uh trope, the political trope of Republicans are racist, Republicans are racist, Republicans are racist, which, you know, basically, whether she likes it or not, I mean, they have, they have, you know, they have created the narrative of that. And it has made the stigmatism of why, you know, Black people don't really get down with, with Republicans like that. But I ain't gonna lie, I like this sister. And, and she's doing something that I would do if I was in the game of politics. I would be Republican. Why not? Right. Why not?
first of all, they're going to treat you like gold, even though it's some racism behind it, but they know that they need you. So they're going to treat you like gold. That's number one. Number two, she's young. Look at her. She's young. She's black AOC. She can come out here and lead the party and she can have her agenda basically be at the forefront here and there in the next eight to 10 years. So I don't know. I'm more just engaged at what her endorsement is and what she's looking to do. I don't think she'll win. Cause and even though, well, well, hold on. One more thing I will say before I let you have the floor, honey. You know, the governor of Maryland is a Republican. Right. I mean, she may have some good backing. She may, I think that's what she's crying out right now, too. She's trying to get back in from Trump and the, and the governor of Maryland. And here's the thing. I like how, what she said as well. She didn't put Trump down, because most of us would, even if you were a Republican. Republicans put Trump down. She just said, hey, man, you know, I know Trump filmed me on this. I hope that, you know, he would at least, you know, tweet out, uh, you know, and, and put some action behind it and let people know what's going on. I agree with Kim's point in that they've had that seat for decades. God bless the day Elijah Commons passed away um, earlier this year. Right. Um, but they've had that seat for a number of years and you still have the same issues going on in Baltimore, you know? And it's like, it's been 50 years since civil rights legislation has been passed and since black people have been taking over these economic centers and nothing has changed. So I, I think it might be time for us to look into voting for somebody different than the Democrat. Does the Democrat or Republican convention sway your vote in any way? Honey, if I wanna hear people give me three minute word speeches, I could watch The Voice, okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's what this is. That's all this is, is. This is the voice, you know, and it used to have, you know, a lot of more, you know, audience to the pageantry. You know, it had a bunch of people that was just over, overtly political, overtly passionate about America, wearing their red, white, and blue Uncle Sam tuxedos and clapping up. They got red, white, and blue thunder sticks, like, like, like as if they want LeBron to miss a free throw and they going crazy. Right. Or a speech, by the way. Right. Not actual physical doing shit, just speeches. So I'm watching AOC for a reason. I'm watching Michelle Obama and Barack Obama talk, and I'm just looking at the pageantry. And I remember eight years ago when Barack came onto the scene, and I was just so proud. And when I saw Michelle speak, I was even more proud. And I was like, damn, look at these Look at these articulate mother It's like, woo! You ain't never seen it like this on this level. And I'm definitely talking about black people. I'm keeping it real. I'm just being honest. Like Cornell West, Dr. Cornell West has swagger with his speech. And I like that. Uh, Kanye, he's just very, you know, Albert Einstein, very, you know, shy, but clever in, in a sense. And I would say also, um, you know, Malcolm X and Martin Luther, I mean, that was just, you know, that's top-notch orator work. But I find it very clever that, you know, we take these speeches and they rally us to vote for them. But I don't know if they're speaking to me. 
Sometimes I think they're just speaking to a bunch of white Democrats. And I don't mean that to be rude. I'm just being honest. They, they say the same thing the last four years, every four years. Yeah. They say the same thing is just sit. Uh, I believe, what's that term my father used to say back in the day? Oh, yeah. The game don't change, just the faces. And now these faces that were all white Ku Klux Klan members. Oh, yeah, because the Democrats were full of those back then. <laughs> Read your history for those who don't know. Now they're changed to people of color. You see AOC, who's angling herself to become the next president or vice president, which will mean she will be the first Latina vice president or president of the United States in 2024 or 2028. But she's definitely angling herself to do that. Kamala Harris, she's angling herself to become the first black woman to do great all day, every day, okay? Elizabeth Warren wants to be the first woman to say to claim that greatness. Everybody is just looking to stick their legacy to me. So for me, none of this pageantry does nothing to me. I mean, hell, Bernie Sanders is here talking on the Democratic National Convention. He just got mollywhopped. If I was Bernie Sanders, I wouldn't say shit. But anyway, that's just me. Hey, yo, what the f***? This is a pallet s*** right here. If you want that highfalutin' fly talk, give me a hell yeah. Three minutes and 16 seconds to say what the fuck I want. This is the Pilot 316 on the Late Night Flight. Did anybody watch the Republican delegation at their RNC rally crime? Did anybody watch that? Because I did. And there are a few takeaways that I wanted to mention. First off, it's no secret. It's no secret. And I say this using the eye using an eye of racial observation, okay? I'm not here to throw stones. National elections are led by white liberals and white conservatives. White liberals want black people to use their vote to support the Dems in their effort to defeat Republicans. Republicans and or white conservatives not only uses racial colorization to morse code their base, but they can also give a blank fuck about the black vote because they are the majority of America's whites, which are 62% of the country's population. 320 mil. And according to PEW Research Center, in 2016, out of an estimated population of 50 million black folk in America, only 16.4 million black people voted. The reason why I gave you this number is because I'm trying to figure out what will Republicans do to get my vote? Well, what they did was send out South Carolina Senator Tim Scott. Tim Scott? A black American with the most non-black American name gave me a story on his roots as, you know, the son of a mother who worked 16 hours a day, keep food on the table, a roof over our heads, and a two-bedroom house with their grandparents. Which is my story in 84, motherfucker. I lived that life right there on Bergen Street. Ask anybody. That's nothing, okay? You're not saying nothing to me. Then you talk about, you know... How your family went from cotton to Congress in one lifetime. Now that kind of spoke to me, you know, in more of like the Jay-Z stillmatic way, you know. I wanted to put on title and went to hear a dope bar from Lil Wayne. Don't you ever go on stage telling white people that you went from cotton to Congress, okay? Unless you're doing it to, you know, offset real equality and say that you worked hard. Not to like, you know, showboat and make yourself look more of a token than you already are, okay? Anyway, then we got Nikki Haley, or should I say Nimrata Ranhawa. She's an Indian-American woman that 
is uh, the former governor of South Carolina. Now, I'm not here to talk about whether she's a woman or whether that she's Indian. I'm trying to find out if she's just a woman that is Indian. I saw her parents. I Googled her because she doesn't look Indian, by the way. I Googled her parents. Her parents brown as hell. Definitely Indian. But I'm trying to figure out the two Indian parents. They had sex in South Carolina and then out came you. But I'm trying to find out if one of them was stirring the milk behind the other one's back because you my friend don't look indian to me okay you don't look like a patel you look like a sturdy south carolina white woman housewife which is nothing wrong with that by the way but anyway you said that america is not a racist country now i got like 19 seconds left so let me just go ahead and just get to the point if america is not a racist country then why did it take someone to get shot in the back multiple times to receive reparations Jacob Blake made $1.4 million in two days on his GoFundMe. What the fuck is that? This is your pilot speaking. Are the legends of hip-hop still great? Or are we just biased to the golden era? I, I think they're great. I still think they're great. I still think that when you have artists who we grew up on, who span the course of three decades and are still relevant today, that speaks to their greatness. I don't think that speaks to anything else. And we can be biased. Like I know I might have like a New York bias because that's the type of hip hop that I prefer. But, you know, you can't, you can't dispute it when Nas is still putting out relevant albums when Hove is still putting out some of the best verses um, on his features today at 50 some odd years old. You know what I'm saying? When the locks and Jada Kiss and you know, DMX is still putting out music that you can still bop to and that still makes an impact that they are absolutely still great at what they do. Honey, you do know you are the, the age of all the artists you just said who are still dope, right? <laughs> you do know that, though. No, I'm younger. No, I mean, you're young at heart. You're young in your soul, and, you know, you're not going to die. I get it. You're invincible. I understand all that. I get that. You, have it. you will never read an AARP. I get it. I get it. I, I understand what it is to be. I'm just saying, though, bro. I mean, you don't think that you're, you're showing a little bias to an era that you used to have sex in? Because whenever, I'm just saying, whatever era, you know, you were having sex is probably the best era. I mean, Chris Rock said that best. I mean, you don't think that's probably what that is? Because let's say if you were 22-year-old, they'll probably be like, nah, NBA young boy is the greatest thing since sliced bread and you couldn't tell me anything. No, I'm sure they will, but they also still might rock to a Nas track. They still might rock to a whole track. They still quote in Jay-Z So I, I know for me, like, you know, Big Daddy Kane, KRS-One, Rakim, after the 90s, their relevancy dissipated. And I don't see that happening with, with Jay, Nas, and, you know, the, the rappers of our era. But once again, I, I, I feel like our, not I feel like, I'm sorry. I think that our era, especially the 90s, more importantly, I think that decade was just 
a very new decade, something that the 80s and the 70s, the 60s were nothing like. It was a shift in balance, if you will. You know, but at the same time, and I, I feel like Black people were just on television so much more. And I think rap exploded on another level where it got commercial. And I think the, the recruiting of talent was so much different compared to now, because now it's just about investment. It's investing the artist, you get the right contact to the label, and boom, you can be on. I mean, look at Trinidad James. You know, like, how the hell did someone like Trinidad James get in the rap business? But whatever, I'm not here to discuss that. The point I'm making is, in the 90s, Trinidad James would have never got on. Because they were looking for the talented of the talented. These record execs. Um, as far as the quality of music that they're going to produce, I mean, we're talking about multi-platinum recording artists that basically took rap to the, to the next level of basically mogulness, you know, entrepreneurism. If it wasn't for your Jay-Zs, your Nas, your Diddy's, your Master P's, your 50 Cent's, the next line of rappers, the, the Wiz Khalifa's, the Drake's, even, well, I don't want to say Lil Wayne like he's a little dude, but I mean, he got to usher in a new generation under Lil Wayne, Rick Ross, Jeezy. They all have put together, Ludacris, they put together two chains. They, they put together businesses to help people eat in the hip hop industry. You know, I really, not to get even more in depth with the whole being biased of the 90s, what I really wish that they would have done, and they kind of do it, but they do it for themselves. So Swiss Beats is a teacher at one of these colleges. And Dr. Dre is looking to teach at USC doing audio engineering. And I get that that positions them in a better light. But think about the group of people that you can shed light on. The point I'm making is, imagine what hip hop can be and how much hip hop is worth. Think about someone such as myself, who is a, I'm a songwriter. I would never be a former songwriter. I'm a former artist. I'm not looking to be an artist anymore, but I could be a writer for the music industry and make money and have my resume ready. Like, yo, this is what I've done to be a part of this, but they don't have that set up yet. I was talking to my friend that, that used to play football and I said, damn, yo, imagine, because he was really good in high school. He was all county. And I said, yo, imagine if the NFL put together a system where someone such as yourself, who was all county, you know, you may not got to play in the big leagues, but you made all county. You were the best of the best in your area. Imagine if you got to work with the NFL and just to work on a practice squad or be an assistant coach for a practice squad, something like that, where you're making $70,000 a year, but you're doing something that you love to do that you know how to do. Is Aunt Becky from Full House the most gangster woman in America? No, she's not a gangster at all, but definitely Aunt Becky. Free Aunt Becky. I, I don't like the fact she has to go to jail for this. I mean, she's doing what any good mother would do. She sees that her kids are, you know, just normal kids, you know, and I still want my normal kids to become, you know, the next generation of Aunt Beckys. And the only way I can do that is by putting up half a mil with my husband, Uncle Jesse. Wait, no, wait. she's not with Uncle Jesse anymore. Wait, this is real life. She's with a fashion designer by the name of Mosimo Gianulli. 
that sounds like a restaurant. <laughs> All right. So anyway, so she puts together this, this idea, her and her husband, half a mil to get their kids into USC so the network can be set up. So once again, the next new age of Aunt Becky's are born in, you know, the medium of television, hopefully, hopefully. We don't know. We don't know. Maybe they'll be execs. Maybe not TV people. Maybe they won't have a full house 2034. We don't know. But my thing is this, yo. I'm okay with this. Like, I, so as long as athletes can get houses by the dean of athletics in all these colleges when they want to go play for Alabama or USC, you know, this is why I'm, I'm so mad at what they did to Reggie Bush. You know, like, yes, yes, USC bought Reggie Bush a house for his, him and his mom for him to play at USC. Do you see how good Reggie Bush is? Are you serious? These kids, they're not even good at the, the, the sport that they got, they got pushed 500,000 500, to. In fact, <laughs> in fact, they don't even play the sport crew. So that makes it even funny. They got paid $500,000 to put their kids into crew, which is a, a rowing sport for those who don't know. And then on top of it all, they don't even play the sport. So this is just straight up, you know, I scratch my back. I, you know, I let you meet John Stamos and Bob Saget. I don't know. But Hanif, you had something funny you said yesterday in our uh, post-production meeting, uh, well, pre-production meeting rather, about Aunt Becky and what Becky mean or something like that. I believe it's some type of white meaning for Aunt Becky. Can you please uh, <laughs> just throw that out there for people? Yeah, I mean, so we all know that Becky is the term that is used, well, it's been replaced with Karen, but Becky is pretty much the quintessential white, white woman who uh, basically uses her privilege to get ahead and she's unapologetic about it. So it's, it's, it was an interesting turn of events that the character she played, Aunt Becky, turns out to be a real Becky in real life. Uh, but, you know, I want to I wanna speak to the issue that I find with this because what's happening is, if, if you know anything about dog and pony shows, you get that... Uh, the, the celebrities that got caught up in this ring are being scapegoated, right? But they're being scapegoated in a way where it's like, okay, we're addressing this scandal and we're making an example out of these people. But it realistically, Felicity Hoffman did, what, a couple of weeks in jail and Aunt Becky is doing like two months in, in jail. It's really nothing that is gonna deter them, you know what I'm saying, from doing it. Like, think about it like this, in terms of, you know, spending 500,000, you know what I'm saying, and nobody will even follow up to know if their kids even went to USC or not. You know what I'm saying? It still could be in play. But the, but the, but the bigger uh, problem that's at hand is that you have an institution like USC who perpetuates this because they participated in it. You know what I'm saying? And, and what happens is when you, when you sell these spots to these children who are mediocre, where are you taking the spots from? And I, I put my bottom dollar on it that some marginalized, low-income, 
black person who had the grades and who did the work to get into that spot probably was denied in order for her children to gain or whoever's children pay for the spot to get into it. Now, you know? I, now you know every black person or every other person of color, you know, it's not always like that. I mean, hey, he did get Dr. Dre. He gave USC, what, $700,000 and his daughter, something like that? See, but then you, and this is another thing that I want to point out. You got to look at the scalability of it. So Aunt Becky, she does Lifetime movies. Felicity Hoffman, like her, her husband, um, he's on Shameless right now. Like they're, they're really like C-list celebrities. So they're easy to scapegoat. But Dr. Dre is beyond reproach. He's almost a billionaire. He's this famous rapper. So they can make his story look like, oh, he just gave an endowment. It's nothing fishy about it. And we can sweep that part under the rug. This is a story about a short man and the stallion. Okay, so Richard Winton, he is an investigative crime writer for the Los Angeles Times. He's, uh, he put out an article, mm -hmm. talked about how the 28-year-old rapper has not made any statements about the incident, but Stallion in her comments said that she believed his publicist and people have been lying about the incident to deflect blame. So I wanna, this is what she said though. She said, yes, Tori shot me. I believe this is on her uh, Instagram live. Yes, Tori shot me. You shot me and you got your publicists and your people going to these blogs lying. Stop lying, why lie, I don't understand. She acknowledged, oh, she said, I didn't tell the police nothing because I didn't want us to get in more trouble. She said she wanted to spare Lanes the trouble and did not explain how she was injured. Initially, she told officials she thought it was a glass cut, not realizing the nature of the wound. She was barefoot at the time of the incident after the night of party. Uh, also, she didn't want to explain that they had a gun in the vehicle or she heard that there was a gun in the vehicle. Now, Lanes was arrested on suspicion of possession and a concealed weapon after the vehicle he was, uh, he was in that was stopped by the LAPD. So I didn't know he was locked up. He was arrested, yeah. I didn't know that. Now, is he out on bail, fresh out of jail, California dreaming? He is, but he's in Canada. Oh, so he, he's definitely playing border games right now. Okay, okay, okay. So this is actually a very messy situation because you went from not wanting to say anything, now you want him to say something. He's already in Canada. Obviously, he ain't trying to say a damn thing, and damn, he, he, he played chicken first. You know, if this is a game of chicken, he basically, he lost. Because he already got his publicist in between all this, making these assumptions or making these rumors. Matter of fact, I don't even want to say making these assumptions, making these rumors. What publicists do, their job is to create a narrative. That's right. their job. Their job is to create a narrative. So they're going to create a narrative. I, 
is obviously making a McGann the Stallion looking like a pony, I guess. I don't know. I, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. But anyway, she and she's not liking it because Megan is too hot to try, right? That's how that goes. I can make horse jokes as this go along, right? That's fine. There's a there's a few things that I wanna that I wanna address. Is that, you know, in this scenario where this man shot her in the foot mm-hmm. and then she you know, and this is just instinctual based on our upbringing, right? Because she's like, all right, the police are now involved and I'm the victim of a shooting, but I can't be a victim right now because I'm a suspect in the eyes of the police. They have helicopters on me. If you saw the video of the initial uh, helicopter, the police had guns drawn, pointed at her and made her lay on the ground so they can assess the situation, oh. right? So if you talk to a police, they'll tell you it's protocol or whatever. But I just feel like as, as, if it's black people, they're suspects before they're victims. You know what I'm saying? And in Megan's mind, she, understanding how the police works, she did not cooperate in that instance because she's like, okay, they could kill us in this moment. If I, if I scream, and says he shot me and you know play that role they're gonna do something to this man and i'd rather not even though he was trying to harm me i still rather not take it there you know what i'm saying and and you know we all do it like if you think of a scenario where uh a couple they get into a quarrel and something happens and say for instance the woman you know stabs the man or she cuts him. If he goes to the hospital and the police asks, how did you get stabbed? It's not going to implicate his partner. He's going to protect her. He's going to say, oh, I, you know, I was, uh, I, I cut myself on the door. He'll make up some sort of excuse to, to, to protect her. So that part is instinctual. Um, but Another part of it where she felt like, okay, now I have to do something is because he took her kindness for a weakness. Like, Tory Lanez could have absolutely just went into hiding, uh, you know, did not speak on the incident again, write songs, stay out of the public eye, and then eventually it would have all went by the wayside. But he's trying to uh, salvage a career, so he's putting stuff out into the blogs to try and make it seem like he's the victim and you know, somehow justifying shooting this woman. And she was fed up and was like, oh no, I'm gonna nip this shit in the bud right now and I'm gonna make my statement. Hey yo, what the f***? This is a pally right here. What did your crush do that just turned you off? I got a couple. I got a couple. I got a couple. Okay, so one is really quick. The first one caught a nicotine attack in my apartment when I told her she couldn't smoke inside the apartment. That was one. Really? Yes. I can't deal with that. I mean, if I tell you that you can't smoke, and mind you, I at one time when I lived in another town in Essex County, I lived on a fourth floor apartment. So if you're going to smoke cigarettes, you're going to have to go all the way down the steps because there's no elevator and you're going to have to just, you know, go outside and smoke. Right. I'm not opening up the windows for you. No, I'm not even doing that. And I feel bad that I'm like that. It's just that I don't like cigarette smell. Right. I'm sorry. You should have should have came with some weed. I would have. 
<laughs> like, all right, let's make this happen. So anyway, so she got mad about that. She she really caught an attitude about it, and I, you know, we just had to part ways. Like, listen, you you know, I need you to go home. Like, that's not cool. You know, anyway, she just threw a cigarette at me, just like, well, fuck you, you know. Like, so. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the one that I do want to talk about is something that actually happened sexually. Okay. And she was asking me to go grease or anal. Mm. <laughs> mm. I can't believe that they really made that a term because you know going Greek, and if you're Greek, that means you're from the land of Greece. Grease, grease that ass up, go anal. I, shout out to John Stamos. Shout out to who? John Stamos. Wow, what, what about him? He's Greek. What, well, hold on, what? Why are we talking about a man and, and, and what my women crushes are with Greek and I remember that. <laughs> oh my God, what is that about? Shout out to John Stamos, what? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> we did that segment already. We did that a while. <laughs> so, my God. <laughs> so, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm about to perform anal on this woman. And I want to say this, and I'm going to be graphic because we're on a podcast and I need you to visualize what's, what's about to happen. So, imagine, you know, my uh, tool to be a hot dog, if you will. And you know how ketchup and mustard is, uh, you know, plastered or painted on the hot dog, usually in a, you know, like a S shape, a squiggly line, if you will, going, you know, north to south or south to north, whichever way you like to go. Imagine that image, but soggy on that top, okay? That frightened me. I have never done anal again. Never, ever, 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 ever. I feel bad that that that's not a deal breaker. But if you ask me to do that and you really like force me as if, you know, oh, you're going to like, why don't you do this for me? I may leave you. I don't think I'm doing anal no time ever in my life just because of that one incident. That woman treated my like a condiment and that will not fly. Jesus Christ. That's crazy. Yeah. What about you? Um, I would say the turnoff for me for a woman that I had a crush on was having sex with a man that I felt was beneath me. (laughs) So (laughs) I I know it's pretentious, but the reason why I made the, I made that call was because I found out because he told me. And then I'm like, yo, if you having sex with a man who feels like, he wants to brag about it to me, then you just threw it you threw it away. But that was just me having some hate because she didn't choose to throw it away with me. What, what, what was her reply to that though when you told her that you didn't like the fact that you chose a you know not so a, a not so upkept person versus you? I, we never had the conversation. Like, so essentially what happened was, you know, I had the crush um, and then I came across the information of who she slept with. And then I was just like, oh, wow. And then that like literally 
the like the deflated my balloon where I'm like, oh, I'm not even interested. Headshot, no Tylenol I don't do the damn thing, I do my own thing Smoking on loud with my white thing Haters step out of my light, man, cause that's trifling Let me tell you something about me I've been attacking, I've been ready Or oh, you got two chains, two chains, me twin deadly Nigga rock with that work, Nigga rock with that ammo, nigga This goes for those quarantine Bust around to your limbo, nigga 973 to the Taliban, 911 me in the dirt, calm desert ease. Don't play around with these loud boys. We crash land on your yard strap. Running shot like penetration. Least scars on your broad's back. My Nina playing no games. Have my money by dawn strap. Yo, this my environment, and you going that, you little bitch, nigga. Like Farrakhan, you young boys need to get it right. I don't need 